0: restaurant unstoppable episode 831 with chef george bezanson
1: so i had to learn real quick how to be tough and how to gain respect and the only way to really do that is by action you know you can demand respect all you want but everybody knows you're not just going to get it unless you prove yourself you know
0: are you ready for it factors success stories Failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge, then join Eric Cacciatori in and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. <laughs> listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www7 slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now I know you know about plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily and i've got to tell you that with plate iq card you can get up to one percent cash back and you cannot forget that plate iq still offers bill pay incredible insights and custom approval workflows to learn more head to plateiqcom slash unstoppable and when you use that link you can save 25 percent off implementation restaurant owners know it can be almost impossible to keep everything up to date even making adjustments on your menu and i know it's Probably one of the most important marketing tools out there, if not the most important marketing tool. That's why I'm so happy to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first time guests into regulars. Pop Menu seriously is the full digital solution for independent restaurant owners. When you invest in Pop Menu, you get a dynamic interactive menu that hooks your customers from the start. And let me tell you, they really do love that review feature. You get a mobile friendly website and I cannot Stress to you enough how many people miss the importance of a solid website. And you also get marketing and integrations to build long lasting relationships with your guests. What are you waiting for? As you can see, Pop Menu gives restaurateurs all the tools they need to put the focus back on what matters the most the people and the food. Trust me, if you are a restaurant owner, you need to check out Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, my listeners get $100 off their first month plus an unchanging lifetime rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder, this podcast needs your support, and there's a few ways you can do it. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. That's anytime somebody recommends something on the show, head to the show notes page, and then use our links to check out those services and and to line up your demos, and you can share this podcast. Do me a favor. When we post And share this episode on my Instagram page, Eric Cacciatore, E-R-I-C-C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E, Comment on it and tag somebody that you know would love this episode who would be inspired by this episode do that for me I'll thank you personally and uh, we do have a great episode for you today we're talking to chef George Bazanson chef George Bazanson is from Boston Massachusetts he spent his early career cooking around Boston in Manchester New Hampshire and Florida as a matter of fact before coming back to Manchester New Hampshire where he opened the bridge cafe mint bistro and the press cafes Uh, after after a series of unfortunate events chef george made the conscious decision to step down from his leadership role uh with the press cafe mint bistro and uh the bridge cafe to just kind of focus on his mental health and to just you know have just a job not not to say just a job but you know what i mean like he wanted to get out of that leadership in an ownership role to just focus on his station do one thing so he joined jur- he joined the the team over at row 34 a past guest on the show as a matter of fact great restaurant spent some time there before joining forces with earth harvest kitchen uh which is in dover new hampshire uh he started as their executive chef today he's a chef partner of earth harvest kitchen and they're doing some really great stuff out there Uh, i really enjoyed today's episode chef george bizanson just gets really open honest, and real. And I think that's something that we need a lot more of in the the industry is just transparency and realness. And Chef is setting the standard. So with no further ado, here it is, Chef George Bazanson. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef partner at Earth's Harvest Kitchen, Chef George Bazanson. George, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: I'm always feeling unstoppable, Eric. Yes, I cannot (laughs) wait
0: to dive into your story. We like to start every episode off with a success quote or a mantra. What do you got for us?
1: Uh, Yeah, I have so many things that I say to people to keep them motivated, but um, usually the most important thing for me is to let people know that, and, and that I know, that you are the most important person. Really, and um, you know, it's good to care about your restaurant. It's good to care about your your chef, and it, it's good to work hard for people. But really, it, it's it's up to you and your happiness. If you're not happy, if you're not passionate, um, then you can't really do the job. You so know, what things
0: do you do to make sure that you're happy and that you stay happy?
1: Oh man, that's a that's a loaded question. Yeah, I would say, especially these, right out of the gates these days. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a little while before we got there, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, I, I, things that I do, you know, to try to keep me happy. I mean, first and foremost, I always say to people that if, if I didn't love what I did, I couldn't come here every day. Mm. And that's the most important thing that keeps me going is Mm. that I just naturally have this passion for this career.
0: What is it about this career that you love?
1: I'm not sure, man. It just, it just feels right. And, um, you know, it feels like, um, you know, it's my, it's my art. You know, it's not just like what it looks like. It's just how it feels. Yeah. And, um, it's a feeling, it's a way of life. It's, uh, it's an, you know, it's a 24 hour kind of thing, man. Yeah. You know,
0: the, the one thing that I've, I, and I, I echo this sentiment of taking care of yourself and making sure that you're happy because you can't show up to lead other people to make sure other people are good unless you're good too, which I think is literally why you have to just make yourself a priority. Like literally every day start with what do you need?
1: it's it that sounds well and good you know it's really it's but man it's hard yeah. and it is hard um on many different levels um some days you just have to you know that old you know just tough it out kind of attitude like i've I've been like that most of my life and i uh, put my put my worries or my feelings aside and, and and just work work through it and um as i get older um And as I meet more people and as I experience more out of life in the restaurant industry, I find that um, that's not 100% the right way. You know, it's good to be tough. It's good to have thick skin. And it's good to uh, leave your your shit at the door, Mm -hmm. as I say. But um, it's not always easy. And it's not always necessary, man. You have to feel your feelings. Yeah. And if you don't, then it obviously just bottles up, dude. You know? So I think that it's good to recognize. It's good to reset. You know, nowadays, I uh, go for a hike, ride your bike, like get out there. Do you ride often? Um, I yeah, man. Like, um, last couple of years, I've been I've been taking the Harley out.
0: Oh, okay, that kind of bike. As I say, if you're on a bicycle, man, I'm looking for people to ride with.
1: Man. I would, I'm man. Like back in Boston, <laughs> I was huge. Like that's the only way I got around. Yeah. You know, but lately, um, yeah, I ended up picking up a Harley a couple of years ago, and. And that just feels great.
0: If hey, you ever decide to dust off that pedal bike, you let me know.
1: I got a fix gear. I got a fixie. Still, <laughs> I man, love it. I love it's it. just collecting spiderwebs <laughs> right now. So,
0: <laughs> so let's get into your story. Where, where does it make sense to start sharing your story? When, when did you know this was your path?
1: Um, there was this. This. This is a good story. There was this turning point uh, in my life where I believe I was about twenty-three. Um, I was in Boston. And I was working at a restaurant uh, called the Rattlesnake Barn Grill on Boylston Street. And um, I'm not sure if it's still there, but it was there for a long time. And I had just come from a very busy Boston diner. And I took a shot at, at this, this like high-end restaurant. And uh, I didn't think I was good enough to do it. Didn't think I knew enough. I really wanted to go to school uh, for cooking. Um, and I just went and applied for this position. And this chef was like, don't go to school. Don't waste your money. I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. And, and you get a paycheck In one year you're going to learn everything. And I was like, all right, man. And so this chef, Dan took me under his wing. And instead of going to school, I just did it on the job and I worked with a great chef.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of mar- marched to that beat as well. I don't think that today it's necessary to go to school to get in, like a paid education to work in kitchens. I
1: think the only, you know, I have an 18 year old daughter. And she took a little gap year this year. And I definitely think that it's important to have a pretty good idea what you want to do before you go and spend all that money, man. I mean, I think you know? I'm a
0: perfect example of 200,000, over $200,000. Yeah. It's, it's a huge
1: school. common story, man. Unfortunately. It, yeah. You know? And yeah. you know,
0: it's, it's, it, it can be paralyzing. Yeah. And when you're in an industry where you're only going to make, if you're lucky, maybe later as you build up into the six figures, but even to hit six figures in this industry, I feel like you have to be in a big city and even then your cost of living so high, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, if you really want early on, you're not gonna have the money to pay off your school loans and to have any chance of travel and doing any of that stuff. Right. But if you use the trade as the vehicle to travel and to go places and keep your liabilities low, you can go anywhere in the world. You can experience anything. I think it's important that people realize that before getting into school loan debt.
1: Yeah. I think, um, you know, in these times it's uh it's a lot easier to to get that message out to people i mean uh you know one word can be spread across the globe in seconds now this is a perfect example yeah exactly so um the moment i really wanted i knew that this is what i wanted to do was when i was when i took that job as sous chef and i remember my i was actually also djing in boston at the time and um But like every Friday night I was DJing at the club. And uh, and my chef was like, you know, let's go for a coffee. And he took me out to Starbucks. And I'm sitting there in my chef coat. And he's in his chef coat. He buys me a latte. And he says, listen, every Friday night you go to DJ and your team is looking for you. He's like, you got to decide. You want to be a chef? You want to be a DJ? At that moment I had to make that choice. And I said, I want to be a chef. Yeah. And I dropped my night. I stopped DJing. And, um... I went hundred percent into being a chef.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think really, if you want to be the best at what you do, if you want to climb that ladder, you can get there so much faster. If you just put all of your energy into the yeah. thing, right? I mean,
1: it was always something I loved doing. It was cooking. It was like, it felt right for me. Um, but it was at that point, you know, back then there was no YouTube. There was no, you know, just, just looking up people's recipes or pictures of food. I mean, you either had to find it in a cookbook or work for somebody mm-hmm. or hear something from somebody. You know what I mean? It was just like, Really difficult, you know, to follow the masters unless you worked with someone that worked with them or you read their book. Like when I saw the French Laundry by Thomas Keller, my chef gave that book to me. It changed my life. Mm. Like literally, I was like, "This is what I want to do for the rest of my life." It, man, that book inspired me, and then definitely mentally took me to that that level.
0: So it was Chef Dan that you said that kind of took Dan you, fourteen. Yeah, 10, 14. man,
1: and he was great.
0: Uh, what like really? Who were you going into that and who were you, how long were you working under chefs?
1: So that was the first like, that was the first like serious, like I want to say, I don't say serious restaurant, but legit like, you know, higher end restaurant that I ever worked at. Before that, I worked at this dirty ass rock and roll diner in Kenmore Square called the Deli House. And I had been there for like 30 years. It was like legendary right next to the rat in Boston. And we were open till like three in the morning place was crazy, man. And what that place taught me was how to be tough, how to be fast, you know, how to be thick skinned like just gave me like those chops that I needed and that I could handle a shit ton of pressure, you yeah. know?
0: So how did you transform? How did Chef Dan kind of take you from that sharp, ready, quick to more professional refined chef
1: well when i was at that place the deli house i was still making all my own stuff i was
0: how old are you at this point it's going back 20 years this was when i
1: was like 21 like approaching 22 i think okay and i'd been working at this diner for a few years um in kenmore square and you know i i basically was teaching myself how to do everything i was like i'm gonna make the soup and i was just figuring out what worked and what didn't you know, I was, you just couldn't pick up your phone and Google a recipe for yeah. tomato bisque. trial and error is how You just remember. couldn't. Yeah. You just had to be like, oh, shit, that didn't work. Yeah. That sucked. You know what I mean? Or I won't add that next time, you know? So there's definitely a lot of trial and error back then. But I think it made me a better chef because I learned the hard way. And I had to make mistakes and, and, and learn by failing. You know yeah. what I mean? And, um, and you know, just not get too brokenhearted about it and just keep going.
0: So how did you transform during this this second, like, I don't know if it was it wasn't necessarily your second job, but the, when you went to go under Chef Dan,
1: so my girlfriend at the time, um, later became my wife. Um, she was working at that that place, and she said they were looking for a sous chef, and she was like, "You should try it." And I said, "I don't, I don't think I'm yeah. I'm ready." Yeah. Um, but I did anyway, and uh, and he was the saucier for this really famous Indian chef named Thomas Johns, okay. and uh, so I, I I knew that you know, he was, he was, he was special. You know, I knew he knew a lot. So I took a chance and I was like, yeah, man, like if you're willing to be patient with me and train me, let, let's go. I knew I was fast. I knew I could cook and I knew it could handle a lot, but I was, you know, going into it, learning about demi and stocks and, you know, soups and vinaigrettes and chutneys and, and all this shit that I wasn't doing. So
0: aside from the food, because one of the things I like to say in the show is if you're opening a restaurant or If you're going to work with somebody who's opening a restaurant, I hope you know how to cook, but do you know how to do everything else you need to do to run a business? So what did he teach you about leadership, about management, about the business of opening and running restaurants?
1: It was like literally like hit the the ground running. You know, it was, um, you know, I, I was the youngest guy in the kitchen and I was second in charge. So I had to learn real quick how to be tough and how to gain respect. And the only way to really do that is by action. You know, you can demand respect all you want, but everybody knows you're not just going to get it unless you prove yourself, you know? Uh, so, you know, and that's just by being there, working. And and still today, I've, I feel like I'm still like that. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to ask anyone to do something that I haven't done or that I wouldn't do.
0: Yeah. What you're describing is is leading by pulling, not pushing. Right? Yeah,
1: absolutely, man. But, I mean, side by side, like right there with, with everybody. And like... If if you're not doing it, uh, why why would anyone else do it, you yeah. know? And I, I want to inspire people, you know? And I want to learn from everybody. Like, the people that I had working for me taught me so much. Like, I had all these, these uh, this amazing crew from Brazil. You know, a lot of Brazilians at that point in Boston. And I learned how to properly peel and cut a mango. And I still remember to this day, like, where I learned that. And it was from my dishwasher. I love that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So...
0: So I like to use this analogy. We're going, to, we're going to get in the airplane. We're going to zoom up to 30,000 feet, right? Yeah. Um, we're cruising along 30,000 feet. Take me on the path you took without getting into details. Just yeah. where you went, who you worked for. And you don't have to
1: say who you sure. worked for. Sure, yeah.
0: Tell me where you went, how long you were there. And didn't paint that path for us.
1: I'll do the best I can from the very beginning. Um, the first restaurant, the first job I ever had was, uh, was I was a dishwasher okay. at a place called the Milepost Tavern in Duxbury, Massachusetts, where okay. I'm from. Gotcha. And... um you know that was my first experience in the restaurant and uh i remember you know seeing those line cooks and being like oh damn like, yeah i want to be that guy yeah. you know what i mean and so that right away like felt you know there's something something there for me uh a couple are like dead-end jobs here and there you know but then um i worked at like the local pizza place still working with food you know and um and then after that geez what happened uh oh i and then eventually i moved to um I went to school in Keene State, okay. for like a minute, all right, and it didn't work out. What
0: year would you have been
1: <laughs> that was uh like ninety six okay I think
0: I was to say, you might have been there during the same time as my sister, but you're before her
1: maybe, yeah, like I went there just like this is what we were talking about a little while ago, like I didn't know what I was doing, but I just went, yeah, you know. Nobody um, knows what
0: they're doing at 18 years. Yeah, like, like that's the big. That's the other big thing. I didn't know what I was studying. It was
1: <laughs> ridiculous. I was studying like video and uh, <laughs> old films. It was it was dumb. But uh, I ended up just partying. You so, know. So
0: you find yourself in Boston, back in Boston eventually. Well,
1: yeah, that eventually. Um, so after that, um, I went to New York. I okay. lived in Long Island for the summer. Okay. Uh, and I worked in some great restaurants there for the summer, and I learned how to surf. Okay. So I was working at this place called The Driver's Seat in in, the, in Southampton. And that was a really nice restaurant. Um, I worked there. And then I also worked at a place called The Riptide, which was a seafood restaurant in The Hamptons. Got it. And, man, that was that was busy, man. Like, you know, summertime in Long Island, New York. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. But it wasn't until you got to Boston under Chef Dan that you knew that this was going to be your passion. Absolutely.
1: Right? Like, I went out to L.A. I did the, like, what am I doing? Where do I want to live thing? Drove yeah. out to Los Angeles. Lived out there for a while and then eventually found myself back in boston and You're um
0: 24 years old around this time no no
1: still not no 22 22 years 22 old. Okay. back in boston i mean i'm from the south shore of massachusetts all right so always kind of being in boston growing up in the area um but eventually you find your way back home and i feel like that's where i was always meant to be what happened after chef dan after chef dan um i was getting married um and my parents were down in florida um they had moved down there, and my dad was building houses, and he wanted us to come down. So we left. We went down to Fort Myers to southwest Florida, and um, and that's where I really started to gain knowledge from the people I worked with down there. I okay. became uh, um, a chef at a restaurant called Bacchus and Company. Bacchus is the god of wine, and okay. um, so it was like this really cool bistro. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was like a wine room in the middle of the dining room, and I learned all about wine pairings and tastings and food that I never even knew existed. How and long were you down there? I was in there a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: know you said you spent eight years in Manchester, right? At Bridge or Mint? 10. 10 years. 10 years. So I guess what I'm trying to get at, and I know after Bridge and Mint, you spent a little bit with Road 34, past guests in
1: the show. Yeah.
0: And that brings you to where we are today. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it wasn't until your 30s that you came back to the Northeast. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like after um, after Bridge and Mint, and then I opened up Prest in Nashua. That's right. And then in like 2000, I want to say 16, um, my father unfortunately passed away. Oof, I'm sorry. And uh, it was unexpected. And um, and then that was the point when I when I, I was I'm ready to change things up. And uh, my ex wife at the time was living in this area. And I didn't want to make the drive anymore, so I just said, "Screw it, I'm gonna start over. And I came up here, and that's when I met uh chef Nikki over at row thirty four okay and um I just hung out there for like six, seven months, okay, and then their service just kind of fell in my lap all right, so
0: now that we have the big picture
1: yeah of where you've been sure
0: um reflecting going back um i mean wh- where did you evolve the most as a chef and as a as a i think, a aspiring owner
1: yeah, I think um well, th- I think those are two different questions. I think that becoming an owner was bridge cafe okay absolutely. I think becoming a better chef was in Florida okay, so
0: we're really like to focus I like to focus on the business aspect of things yeah again, like there's a lot of food podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. We're here to learn how to do everything else but to, I mean, do get into that like how how did you grow as a chef who were you going into florida who were you coming out of florida how did you transform as a chef
1: well i knew as i was when i was going down there i had just you know they actually after a year working with dan um at rattlesnake they actually appointed me executive chef there okay before i left and this is your first executive this is my first sous chef i went from being a friggin line cook at a diner (laughs) to sous chef to you know Doing like events at the World Trade Center and serving up alligator and rattlesnake and shit. I was like, you know, so quick, man. You know, and then he ended up leaving Chef Dan and the owners were like, do you want to be executive chef? And I was like, sure. (laughs) And so I took the job and here I am at 23, 24, maybe executive chef. And I'm fucking just winging it. So what advice (laughs) do
0: you have for somebody who's listening to this, who is a sous chef, who is an aspiring executive chef owner? What was that transition like to executive chef? Knowing what you know now and reflecting at the the chef you were then. Yeah. What advice do you have for yourself?
1: It was, it was scary, but man, I was, I was really putting in the work. I mean, I, I still have books from that restaurant and, and specials and just notebooks of me writing down possible dishes and recipes like literally I was eating and sleeping food. Like that's all I cared about. That's all I thought about, you know? And once I got into it, it was like, it was like an obsession. It was a way of life. Yeah. So I think the most important thing to, to maybe tell people who are aspiring to be chefs and make a difference is there's really, there's no easy road. It's, it's put the work in and, and just do what feels right. You know what I mean? And don't, you know, be inspired, but, try not to copy people. You know what I mean? Cause if it's being done, it's being done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, that's just because you think everything's been done. It hasn't, you yeah. know,
0: you're speaking a lot towards the creative side of things. Right? Sure. But what yeah. about the, the business hat of, uh, just controlling your costs and hitting goals and things like that?
1: Yeah, no, those are hard, man. I've always been pretty old school. I'm not very good with computers, you know? Um, so, you know, controlling costs, uh, You know, writing menus, um, making sure that you're making money. I've always been fortunate to have a partner who was always handling the money more than I was. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my partner, Roy Spindler, who I had the Bridge Cafe with and Mint Bistro with and then Pressed Cafe with, um, you know, he taught me a lot about money. And I think I taught him a lot about food, you know, so we were a good pair. Um, and, And right now, you know, for example, Ron Stock is my partner here at our service and he also owns the Herbal Path Pharmacy here and in Portsmouth. Um, you know, he like the same thing. I'm just fortunate that these guys, you know, really know the money end of things, so I can really focus on, you know, the restaurant side. I of think it.
0: that's that in itself is a lesson. Like if you're if you're a food driven, food focused, creative person, I I don't think you can do it today without a, a partner. Well, I mean, and there are some people out there who pull it off, who can you know segment. Their brain into being like okay the creative side now oh, you yeah. need to detach from that and look at the back of house. I, I don't I don't know about you but I wouldn't want to exist. I mean I have a lot of like
1: friends that. you know that I might <laughs> listen to this and be like well George I'm fucking doing it by myself man you know and yeah. hats off to you you know what I mean like I've just been lucky to have someone there to help me with that. But when you, you know? look at
0: all the other things that you have to do to really scale a business to market a business to to I mean there's a lot of hats you have to wear. Oh yeah and man. I think that yeah. if you can if you can consciously choose to wear less hats and find people who compliment you. So you can wear those hats, but the hat you're wearing is fucking gorgeous yeah. because it's the only hat you're wearing that you can put all of your eggs into that one hat. You know what I'm saying? And, and roll with that one hat and, and lean on your partners to take those other hats. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just, I feel like if focus stay in your lane and, and do a few things really well and, and surround yourself with people. that Right. Compliment I mean, yourself.
1: I mean, I absolutely, uh, you know, know what's going on at the restaurant. I, I, you know, we, st- we stay connected every day, all the time, controlling costs, knowing what's working, what's not. And um, like I said, I'm just lucky to have someone that can handle uh, mostly that side of things so that, you know, I can just take care of this restaurant and these people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not just owner-chef. It's, there's so many different roles in the restaurant. And I think, um You know, it's been said before, but this isn't, we're not really just in the food business, we're in the people business. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the owner of McDonald's said that. What was his name? Uh, Ray Kroc. Yes. Yes. I think that, that that's a quote from him. And I think that's important because I see that every single day, you know, um, you know, my, my family here at Earth Harvest. I mean, you know, some days I'm just being pulled in a million different directions and it's not about food. You know what I mean? It's, there's so many things that you have to deal with and, it, and it's just like, you know, as soon as you turn around, there's something else there. <laughs> I experienced you know? it
0: when I came here to introduce myself or we sitting down. And uh, I don't know who <laughs> it was or what her title was. But yeah. she was Right there. Like, I have questions. And,
1: and it's just all day. And, and that's cool. <laughs> um, uh, some days I wish I could just, you know, be left alone on my cutting board and just make things. But that's not. That's not the job. It's not realistic. That's not the job. Yeah. You know?
0: So let's get into that sort of thing. How have you evolved as a professional? Like who were you? Were you more likely to snap and like let, like let off on somebody when you first were empo- appointed as a chef versus now? Are you more likely to nurture and to guide? Like have you changed or have I'm you evolved? I've definitely changed. Absolutely. How, in what way?
1: So I can tell you right now um, when I was younger, it was all about the creativity for me. And it, it still is. But it was all that's all I thought about is getting the best dishes is, is doing the coolest shit with food and like experimenting and learning more and, and knowing as much as possible and making the best food. And it's always about that. But that was really my only mission at that point. And as I got older, um, you know, I, I just learned that there's so much more to this business. Um it it really is about the people and it really is about um the environment that your setting, And most importantly, man, I'm huge on it being about the community, you know, um, and I think I've grown as a chef because, you know, when you're a young kid and you just want to make really cool shit and you're a young chef and you're just banging out plates and trying to do the coolest shit, that's great. But, you know, there's a responsibility there. And I think the stronger you are and the more responsible you are to maintaining your business and keeping your people happy behind the counter and on the other side of the counter, the customers, that's where your success really lies. Yeah, It's not about just, you I mean, the food is the heart of it. You know, if you don't have good food, yeah, you're, you're screwed. But like, you know.
0: That's what I say. Yeah. Like you're opening a restaurant.
1: <laughs> I hope you can fucking cook. Can yeah, you Need a team?
0: Can you manage a cat? Like, can you can you market? Can you do all these other things? Yeah. And I think today's age, it's not enough to be a good cook. It's just not enough.
1: It, it matters. It, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to want to go somewhere where the food's not good but the vibe happens. also has to be cool yeah. and it has to look like people are happy man yeah you know if your staff's look looks like fucking miserable like you can see that man your customers can feel that mm-hmm. there's an energy yeah you know
0: i think now is a good time to take our first break thank our sponsors and we'll be right back i want to start to unpackage just some of these lessons about how to create that environment how to lead and how to you also mentioned community i'm love yeah, to hear some of your thoughts on sure. that sure Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with Play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with Played IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Played IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Play IQ Bill Pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check ACH or play IQ card. Also with play IQ bill pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right. No more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about play IQ insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom. You get an alert. And then lastly, there's PlayIQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to. No more duplications of efforts and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. We're back. And I mean, I just kind of want to consolidate some of these big lessons and then I think we can shoot to um, your your first ownership position correct me if I'm wrong was bridge
1: yeah okay yeah, yeah
0: so let's let's just consolidate you said all these lessons around just creating the environment leadership what are the biggest lessons you've learned about how to create that environment like what are you doing to create an environment First that thing that comes
1: like? to mind is that it, it takes a team mm. you know what I mean like um, there can be you know a very talented chef in the building. Um, but if that chef doesn't know how to work with people and manage people and, and, and communicate with everybody, um, then it, it, it's not going to be a successful thing. You know, um, like we were saying, you can be a talented chef, but it's much more than that. And I think to create the right environment, you have to have the right team. And sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. But I think, you know, dealing with your crew and dealing with your team, like, the way i the way i talk to one person on my team might not be the way that i can talk to somebody else and i don't mean like by yelling or being disrespectful or anything like that it's not like that it's like i know certain people that um you know i might have to just shift you know you know the way i'm speaking with them because everybody's just on different levels man you know some people are going through a lot and and it's it's kind of my job to kind of know that sometimes you know so sometimes you know, when you recognize that someone's having a hard day, you know, um you have to address that. Yeah, it's the same you know? thing
0: with a, a server approaching a table. Each table might have a different energy. You know? It, it really? And yeah. you have to uh, read the room. Yeah, you gotta be a chameleon. You <laughs> yeah. gotta be a chameleon, you gotta match each table where they're at. The same thing applies to an employee. I mean, ideally you're hiring a certain type that matches, that matches the avatar right. that you're trying to create, the this culture you're trying to create. But we all are unique. We all We're not all the same every day. No, we're not. And I would say
1: that what I've learned, um, you know, also is that like, I really feel like, you know, if I'm not having a good day, like everyone else is not having a good day. So if I I try to, um, you know, keep my spirits up, keep positive. Um, and I find that when I'm, you know, having a good day and I'm happy and I'm, I'm being loud and, and everybody's feeling good, like. It's a good environment here. And then that rolls right off into the customers because this is an open kitchen. So there's not much to hide. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's also important. So
0: knowing your energy, knowing the energy of your, your, the, 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 I don't know, the personalities, each individual person on your team and matching them where they're at, uh, what else are you doing to kind of create that environment?
1: Um, well, I mean, I think the food also like the type of food that you're putting out, like, you know, I, I definitely did my fine dining years. And I think with Earth's Harvest, what I try to tell people is I just want to make feel good food. You know? And I tell people that that's really what's important to me. Um I think before the, the pandemic happened, um, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to already be doing a breakfast lunch sort of casual dining kind of thing. Uh I wanted to take the techniques that I've learned in all these fine dining years of mine. But give it to people every single day in more of a casual setting. So, like, why only save that for the dinner plates, man? Mm-hmm. Why can't I, I make, like, crazy emulsions and just put it on a friggin' sandwich? Yeah. Like, what's the, what? why can't I, prote- can I do protection that? Take the pretension out of it. Yeah, man. Why can't I, I braise my own pork belly and just put it on a roll? You know what I mean? Like, still use these techniques that we've worked so hard to learn. And just give it to people every day so that this isn't something that they just get to experience twice a year.
0: Yeah. I think the underlying message I'm picking up from you is are you creating inspiring food?
1: I, I think so. I, I hear it. that's what people tell yeah, me. You know? Because, I mean, if
0: you're if you're going to work for a restaurant, I mean, you could work. How many options do you have to work in different restaurants? Are you cutting food out of bags? And dumping them in fry later right. are you are you a bag opener or are you cooking food
1: there's a place for that you know yeah. I, I, I unfortunately there's a place for that and uh, I think convenience is is our biggest enemy here you know and and I don't want to get too big about talking about earth and shit but like no save that for later i do have some things and i do
0: want us to get better about talking about more broad level topics part of the mission of this podcast is to change the industry and i think the only way we're going to change the industry is by having these conversations i I agree so um i do want to talk about that stuff but i think again the the underlying message is are you doing things are you cooking things that people can get excited about because if if they can't get excited and can't take pride in the work
1: yeah i mean hey man uh I'm excited. So like, you know, if I'm excited, I'm hoping that, you know, other people will get excited. And I've become very fond of taking the pictures because I run the social media for our restaurant. And that's also become uh, a small passion of mine as well, you know? Um, But, you know, anybody can probably put out a good picture of one dish that they worked really hard on. But, you know, if you can't come in and get that dish, you know, you know, 40 times, you know what I mean? Like, What's the point in that picture? You know what I mean. So I think I am trying to be inspiring with the food. I try to get people excited by, by posting cool pictures. But when they come in here, I gotta I gotta I gotta talk the talk. I gotta walk the walk. You know what I mean? Like I got them in here. I gotta follow through, man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's important. I do try to do cool shit. I try to do things that just feel right to me. I'm not. I don't go into making food here. Like, oh, I just want to bring this, you know, out to people because no one else is doing it. I don't think of that. I just do what I think of. Like, I'll, I'll think about it the night before or I'll go to work and I'll just do it. Yeah. Let's get,
0: let's get back to your timeline. So I think we, we dropped some great lessons there. Thank you very much. Uh, you, your first owned business is the Bridge Cafe.
1: In Manchester. Yeah. In
0: Manchester. What year did that open? Were you part of the opening team?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. We went in there and it was a it was an old coffee shop and it was it was a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What what year is this? Two thousand.
1: Two thousand seven. Two thousand six. Two thousand seven. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Like th- two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. So
0: how did this opportunity come across? You?
1: So when I finally came back from Florida uh, after working at those t- two, the other restaurant I worked at in Florida was crew. It was amazing. But, um, I finally come back to, uh, New Hampshire and I came into Manchester and, um, the first restaurant I actually ended up working at, I opened up a restaurant called a taste of Europe. I totally forgot about that. Oh, okay. Totally, totally forgot. Dude. It was a whole year. It was a frigging year. It's a blur, right? It was a blur. <laughs> yeah. So now that's called XO on Elm. Okay. Um, Rosa Paolini, uh, is the owner there. She's amazing. um, And I opened up that restaurant with her. And I was able to do it. How did you know her? So uh, I knew someone that worked at Pecola Italia in Manchester, her husband. Okay. And she had this, like, empty space next door. So they got me in there. I was looking for a job. And they're like, let's open this restaurant. So we turned into, like, this, this bistro. And, I mean, I had ostrich on the menu. Nobody up here was doing ostrich. I was just doing shit that I learned down in Florida. And I tried to bring... Some really cool, different, you know, fine dining to Manchester. And at the time, there really wasn't anything there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if Hanover Street Chop House was there yet. Oh, I don't know. And uh, and then, you know, like Cotton, Jeffrey Page of Cotton was doing cool shit. Um, CR Sparks was maybe the only other place that was kind of nice. Okay. You know, like, to my memory, there's not, not a lot going on. Um, so, after about a year, um, I had an old friend of mine, Roy, who uh, owns Cesario's Pizza in Manchester... And he found this spot. He's like, let's open up this cafe. And I was like, no. And so after talking about it for a few months, I finally was like, all right, let's go check it out.
0: Is this the taste of Europe we're still talking about? I was
1: already at the taste of Europe. He tried to pull me out.
0: Okay. But you weren't a partner at taste of Europe. No, man,
1: I was just the the executive chef. She, she owned it. I came in and
0: it was a place to land to figure out what you wanted.
1: Yeah. We built a restaurant. It was cool. We, We did some cool shit. Um, you know, tapas and stuff like that. Um, but then Roy, uh, you know, got me over at, at what was was going to be the Bridge Cafe. And um, we went in there and you know, we just made it happen little yeah. by little, yeah. you know.
0: So this is your first time negotiating ownership. What like cutting up the piece of the pie? Like what what did that look like? What did that conversation look like? You not being an owner. It was an offer. It was an offer for me.
1: It was an offer. It was an offer. You know, he was like, you know, come open this restaurant he will be part owner. And, um, he was still running his pizza, his very busy pizza place. Yeah. And so at first I was pretty much, you know, he helped me as much as possible, but I was pretty much alone in the beginning. And, um, it was tough. We just wanted to do like a sandwich breakfast shop like here. Um, same, same business model. Uh, and I wanted to make everything from scratch and all this shit. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you you have to you do what's right you know and you can't do everything you know from scratch you just if you can't do it yourself like just make sure you have a reliable source okay you know and so we just built this you know panini latte juice bar kind of thing and um it's still there today yeah and so when he offered me partnership it looked like a like a solid deal man yep. you know and so i took it and eventually he He walked away from Cesario's and he came full time with me over at the bridge and and we really just blew up.
0: So do you think you would have taken this opportunity if he didn't offer you equity in the business?
1: No, I don't, I don't know, man, because like at the time, um, at the time I was executive chef at uh, at a fine dining restaurant in which in my mind, that's what I thought I was supposed to be doing forever. Yeah. You know, as a chef, you're like, oh, okay, I've made it here and I'm supposed to be putting really nice things on really nice plates. And so this is what I should be doing for the rest of my life probably. So right? what
0: happened that made you get off that path?
1: Honestly, um I ha- I had a very young daughter. Okay. And you know and I wasn't seeing her uh at night. Yeah. And um and so I think I made that that conscious decision to to really try to have more of a normal life if possible and still be a chef and still get satisfaction out of, out of what I was doing. So, I mean, I think what really did it for me was the fact that I was like, All right, if we're going to do this, I want, I want to make our own stuff. I don't want to buy dressings. I don't want to buy, I want to buy ingredients. Mm-hmm. And that was really the, 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 you know, that would seal the deal for me.
0: Okay. So reflecting back, this is your first time as an owner. No one you know now. I mean, being a part of you, you open the bridge, you open mint bistro, you open press cafe. Uh, you were a part of the managing team over at row 34. Were you a managing team or were you? No,
1: I was honestly, dude, it was to be totally honest with you. I came into town. My father just passed, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I needed some time. Okay, you know, makes sense. and so I just went in and I was like, "I'm just gonna be a line cook." That's beautiful. And I mean, just, it, and it was need. the best decision I yeah. ever made, man. Yeah. you know. So
0: I guess where I'm going with this is, you've had a lot of time owning and managing and running restaurants. I had a lot right? of time running kitchens, man. But yeah. reflecting back, this is your first time, right, back at Bridge Cafe. Knowing what you know now, all these lessons you've accumulated over the past, since 2007, 14 years. Yeah.
1: Right? Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> what do you know now that you wish you knew then? Reflecting back at the, the way you executed, the decisions you made, anything that you kind of kick yourself at or laugh at, like, I can't believe I
1: did that. You know what I can't believe I did is what? work so many friggin' hours in a How week. How many hours were you working? Dude, on? there was times like when we opened the Mint Bistro and we were doing both at the same time, I was easily doing like 90 to a hundred hours a week.
0: What would you have done differently knowing what you know
1: now? I don't fucking know, man. Like it was, I felt it as it, like it was necessary. Why? I was, uh, because it, the job needed to get done, mm-hmm. you know? And you know, I look back and be like, man, that wasn't healthy, but I was also in my twenties and I, and I could handle it, you know? So I feel like, like earlier, I think that that whole tough guy attitude, like just fucking do it, you know, kind of attitude, just shut up and do it. Um, That's how I was like living my life in the restaurant and definitely wasn't healthy. Yeah. You know, I think
0: there is a time and place for that. There I is. to shut up. And oh, do yeah, it. man.
1: Then it's in your early 20s or your, your
0: late teens when you should be going to college and you have the endurance of a friggin. I don't know what has a great endurance. We were crazy energizer, but right? I will
1: tell you, I did miss out on, on things, you know, and um, and I was lucky enough to, you know, I think now that's what I know. Now yeah. I know that, you know, life is really, it's not about all work. It's not about, you know, obviously what's, what's in the bank. It's really about experiences. Yeah. And this is an experience. Yeah. This, it really is. But in your early 20s, more. Like, go get that experience. There's go more. out there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Get get the experience, feed the funnel, figure out what you're passionate about. The only way to know is to get out there and try different things. Yeah. I mean, there's always, eventually the, you got
1: to focus. There's always the hustle, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you don't put the work in, you're not going to see the results yep. with that's with anything. Yeah. You know? So yeah, man, I put the work in, you know, and, um, it was, it was crazy for a while, but, um, I think eventually it's, it's when I came, it's when I came here after my dad passed that kind of put things in perspective to me. I don't want to keep bringing that up, but that was a huge turning point. In my I have
0: life. it. I have it. You know, I definitely have it like uh, tagged cause I do want to unpack that. I do want to learn exactly how that changed your, your, your view. Yeah, life. It, yeah, But I'm just curious, I mean, with these two, I mean, you said you spent eight years, almost 10 years between the bridge and Mint
1: B Street. Yeah, after like four years of opening the bridge, we eventually got the space just like two doors down. And uh, man, like, <laughs> Roy was like, I got this space. He's like, let's open a, a high-end restaurant in there. So the first time I ever saw this restaurant was we, I got lifted into the back window of the alley and... I crawled into the to the broken back window of this place. And me and uh, my other friend Charlie, we were just walking around this restaurant. And there had been like homeless people living in there. And it used to be this Italian restaurant. And there was this falling out they had. And they just walked. They left everything in there. All the alcohol, the food, like turned over tables. There be there was people like crashing in there. It was scary. It was weird. Yeah. But we gutted it, cleaned it, turned into that restaurant. It got remodeled like twice after that and it's still there man it uh tim baines is great guy owns it now he's crushing it
0: yeah and i think i mean that's one of the the big lessons i've learned too is just that slow steady growth from the inside out i think sometimes people they try to they'll find an opportunity at a restaurant two two towns over right and they'll be like let's open a second restaurant because we need to open a second restaurant so yeah. we can have the cash flow Sure. and then they just cut, they just spread themselves way too thin they and it's, but if have seen it But if you can do it two doors down,
1: it, it, it makes it a little bit easier. It's still hard, but it's crazy. Yeah. I think, uh, the, the one thing I, one of the things I learned from Roy, you know, was you gotta make money to spend money. You know what I mean? And I think that getting, um, you know, spending more than you have to in the very beginning, sometimes you got to start small. Sometimes you have a big idea and maybe you have some crazy ass investor that wants to throw you like half a million dollars. Cool. But most people don't, you know what I mean? And a lot of, yes, unfortunately, a lot of people that want to open up restaurants don't know anything about the restaurant <laughs> industry. Um, so I think what I learned all those years ago was, um, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's have, Let's see what this year brings. And then we'll spend the money on that new fridge. Or then yes. we'll spend the money on the dining room. And we'll get new tables and chairs. But right now, this is what we got. Yes. And that's it. Let's work on the food. And make sure that's good. And then we can work on what the fucking place looks like. Jared
0: and I are going through this right now. It's yeah. unstoppable. We're like trying to make these plans to travel. I'm like, let's go someplace when the money is in the operational accounts. Like it's there. And we know we have $4,000 in the bank to go do something. Right. You know, I think we, we, sometimes we just go, 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 go until the tank's empty. And then we're like, oh shit. Like, yeah. Now it- what? Right. And it's that's getting ahead of your skis. It's right? a climb. It's a climb, yeah. dude. It's yeah. a climb. You know, and you, I always say cash flow and people determine your growth. And the cash flow sure. is one of the, the easy things because it's either there or it's not. You yeah. don't spend it until you have it. Right.
1: I mean, everybody wants, you know, to open up a restaurant and have it be their vision come true there. You know, like if I opened up the, like from the very beginning if i had something to do with this restaurant i might have made it look differently have you listened to
0: the podcast no because this is like i i love what you're dropping on us as you're echoing a lot like one of the biggest messages oh really yeah
1: okay well i mean obviously everyone has their vision you know i mean everyone has what they want their restaurant to look like but it's not always possible man So just do what you can do now. Exactly. And earn earn that later. Start where
0: you can. Have the vision. Keep the vision. Write the vision on the wall. Have it everywhere you possibly can. And don't ignore the vision. But know that you don't get your vision on day one. And I think that's what people get in trouble. Just
1: believe in that. You know what I mean? And and just, just, you know, don't let go of that. And work on what you can for now. Get the people in the door. Feed the people. You know, let the people know that you're serious about what you're doing. And... You know, like I said, man, the food is the heart of the restaurant. If that's good, they're going to come, you know, and eventually yeah. they're going to make it possible for you to make that restaurant look the way you yeah. want to.
0: And I, I like to say growth comes from the inside out. Yeah. A lot of times people, I think if they get into this growth mindset and they think out. I like mean, how, growth comes from looking out and finding opportunity. Right.
1: So a good example is that how many times you've seen your restaurant pop up and you're like, oh man, the place looks so cool. And you go in and you're like total letdown. Yeah. It's because they didn't go from the inside out. Exactly. <laughs> you yes.
0: You, you you go in inside out, you focus on the thing you're doing that you can do today and you yeah. do it better than anybody else. Yeah. And that uh, that pulls opportunity onto you. Like you attract opportunity because you're just you're focused on here and now, what yeah, I man. do have control over. And then that just, the natural progression is growth. Right? Yeah. Uh, and that sounds like what the approach you guys took. How long did it take you to go from that first location to opening the second location?
1: Uh, which one? From Bridge? So from Bridge to opening Mint. I think it was like four years. Four years. Yeah. Right?
0: yeah. It must have felt like an eternity, right? I don't know, Or maybe it was so fast. because It were was just fast, so dude. Yeah. We were
1: crazy. Yeah. I mean, we started so small. Um, you know, and I remember the early days. And then fast forward to, like, doing huge catering orders of, like, 300 sandwiches and, and shit, man, there were days that the dining room was, uh, there was no tables available because we had sandwich platters all over the whole dining room. <laughs> we didn't have another room. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that room, if you've been in the bridge, that room across the hall was office space. Like yep. we really had to make it work, man.
0: So, so we've kind of identified the, you know, start where you can have a vision, grow steadily, grow from the inside out. What were some of the other big lessons you learned during this first 10 years as an owner? Things that, that you just wish you could have told yourself, you know, look out for this or don't do that, knowing what you know now.
1: Um That's tough, dude. I mean I'm not sure. I mean uh I think another thing that I wish that I, I focused more on earlier in the day was like making sure that you were taking care of your people and making sure they were getting the money that they needed you Is that know? something
0: that you don't think you're doing earlier in your career maybe not undervaluing
1: your people like we were a small business you know and, and you can only do so much you know we couldn't offer people insurance and and we couldn't you know it was just more of you know we we paid people good but you know we just want to make sure that they're taken care of and i think you know i was so like flooded with just work 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 get it out get it out get it out like being super crazy i was pretty crazy back then Mm -hmm. like i was i was kind of nuts like when i was working and it was like it was like a show probably you know what i mean like just watching us work like crazy i think slow down you know slow down take a take a look at your day take a look at your people check in with people don't just fucking work and and be a tough guy and just get it done and not care who you knock over on your way like like slow down a little bit sometimes. And Did
0: you knock over anybody on your way?
1: I don't. Th- I don't know. Like physically, maybe. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, it was just. It was just nuts, man. You know, Roy really inspired me. He worked. His work ethic was insane. You know what I mean? And he still is.
0: Let's get back into. The, let's let's dive into that relationship, that partner, because I I don't think that people talk about the dynamics of a partnership enough, uh, especially going into a partnership, what to consider when going into a partnership. So. How would you rate your partnership with Roy?
1: Well, he is one of my best friends. He's like a good yeah. brother to me yeah you know
0: what what was it about your partnership that worked?
1: We were a lot alike um you know i used to i actually i worked with him at the pizza shop for a while here and there yeah. sometimes, and he just you know he was such a hard worker physically like like it you know he he inspired me to be that way and and some of it was good, some of it was bad. But we got along really well because we were already friends, mm-hmm. you know, so it's nice that I was friends with my partner. You know what I mean? How did
0: you meet Roy originally at the pizza place?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple little, Is it- little, little things I left out probably. Like I worked at that pizza place. I think I was in Manchester for like a year at one point. I probably didn't tell you about. It's kind of all coming back to me now. <laughs> but I met Roy. Um, I took a job when I was younger at the pizza place when I was in Manchester for a minute and we used to live above it and he had an apartment and I had an apartment. Okay. So we l- lived above the pizza place that we worked at. So we partied, made pizza. Yeah. Partied.
0: Yeah. What well, you <laughs> yeah. do when you're in your early 20s? Yeah, man. Then, like
1: like yeah. that's what you do, yeah. you know? And so, um, I was, I was fortunate. Yeah. You have your good times and bad times, man. You know, um, you know, there, there were fights, you know, as to be expected. Um, but, You know, we
0: were the fights usually around the business or on personal stuff.
1: It was it wasn't really about the business. It was just, I guess, more about work ethic. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if I thought I was going to show up early, like he'd be there already. Okay, I'd be like, yo, I'm coming at five tomorrow. We're going to do this. I get there and he's like, I've been here. I've been here since four. So it was like an ego thing. maybe. Fuck. Maybe. Yeah. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. But, you know, Roy is so successful now. He just opened up his like sixth press or something. I mean, it worked, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I was into it, man. At the time, I was into it. I was into just working my ass off and and just being the best.
0: Now, how did you guys compliment each other as partners? Like, what lanes were you in?
1: Man, we well we we worked side by side. We were fast. We were, so you were fast. Both
0: back of house dudes.
1: We were everywhere. I was, dude. I was I was doing the register. I was running the front. I was selling food. I mean, we were ripping around like crazy. You know, where we needed to be, that's where we were.
0: Okay. Anything any advice from this partnership, any lessons learned that you can drop on somebody about to get into a partnership? Do you guys have a partnership agreement? Was this before partnership agreements came into your life?
1: It's a pretty loose agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, know your partner as much as possible. Sign a contract. Okay. That is like the biggest thing I can tell you is sign the paperwork. Make sure that you read everything. Uh, make sure that you agree on everything. Make sure you ask all the questions, um, you know, as, as as excited as you are to take this new venture, um, don't let the shiny new thing, um, you know, you know, uh, fool you and 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 distract you. Gotcha. Um, you really have to make sure you know what you're getting into and who you're getting into it with. Um, being a partner with someone is scary. You know, it can it can break friendships. Yeah. You know, it can break family. Um, you know, but um, I I know personally from somebody that they were best friends, they were partners. They end up stealing millions from somebody. And, uh, you know, you just want to make sure you, you, you take all the precautions Yeah. because even though you guys seem like fucking family, best friends, um, you know that that can change. Mm-hmm. Business can change that. Money can change that.
0: So reflecting back at this ten years uh, between these two restaurants, we're, don't worry, we're g- we're gonna get into more current times. That's cool. Uh, but I'm just curious. Like, I mean, that's a big chunk of your professional career, right? Especially as an owner, it is. Did you learn anything during this time as far as how to manage and operate and run a business? Did you did your numbers start to, to were you getting more profitable? Was it just a volume thing, or did you start running your business differently in a way that has to be more profitable. We got so
1: crazy. I mean, we started low. There was like, I remember the first day, we, we I don't know, I don't know, maybe we made a 100 bucks, 200 bucks, yeah. first day. I mean, I sold like a bagel, I remember. It was like nothing, you know? And um, and then, you know, years later, like I said, I mean, we went from, from here to like way the fuck up here. What you things know? changed, if anything? I'm telling you, man, like if you put out a good product, they're going to want it. You yeah. know what I mean? And we didn't pay for advertising. Never. Like, people approach us all the time, you know, like, run this ad. And that was a thing. We were like, we're good. We're good. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing and, and hoping it works. Mm-hmm. And it did. And so, I mean, I think the bottom line is, man, really, like, you have to put out something that people want to come back for. Yeah. And if you do that, it will work, man.
0: I mean, what was your square footage of this operation?
1: Shit. I mean, it's not. It was like double this. Like what was so, your
0: rent? Let me ask that question.
1: Uh, my rent back there, man, this is years ago. So I think the rent in the beginning was like, uh, I think it was like 1400 So like I super think again, cheap. That's
0: the point you made is just start where you can start small. Yeah. Right? And let, eventually
1: the rent went up, you know, eventually the yeah. rent went up. But like it was real cheap. We were able to afford it at the time, you know.
0: I just don't think people they underestimate the amount of time it takes to talk about what you're talking about. First couple of days, a few hundred bucks, right? Yeah, it wasn't until what year two, maybe, that you guys really started getting to the point where the quality of life was changing with cash flow. I'm mis- I'm, I'm just throwing random. It kept I'm, I'm yeah, mis- I mean,
1: it kept getting busier, and all I just remember it really honestly, it seems like a fucking blur. But like all I remember is that you know, it was, it was finally when Roy um, finally came over from Cesario's, and he really let go of that that thing started to change and that's how we complimented each other because I felt alone there and I felt like, um, I don't know if I felt like I was in over my head, but it was definitely a lot for me. And as a chef, I just sometimes want to just be left alone and make food and create, but running and managing a restaurant and managing people. I was young. I was not, you know, I, I was likable, I guess, but like, I wasn't, very good at managing people and also managing my stress and my energy at the same time.
0: Are you, are you better at it now?
1: I'm pretty good at it, man.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to make a note to understand what you do differently now that makes you better at it. Uh, But we're going to shelf that question. Um, Ultimately you, you ended up parting ways with Roy.
1: Yeah. After pressed, I did. After pressed. So
0: you guys had, um, bridge mint bistro, then you opened press together, Mm uh, what was the reason for going on? It sounded like things are going good. Why did you walk away?
1: Um, I hate to bring it back there, but, um, that's when we lost my dad. Yeah. And, um, and I had just honestly gone through uh, a breakup like the same week. Oh, and it was like, I just got, you know, one, two punch one, two, right. It was just like two major things in my life. Just Plus changed. you're working
0: under a hundred hours a week.
1: Yeah. At this point I was at press. I was probably doing like 50, 60, you know, it was a lot, but, um, you know and i have two kids and uh, i'm i'm breaking up with my girl and my dad just passed away you know uh, you know i just spent a, a week off for his funeral and i came back and i just wasn't in it anymore mm-hmm. and um and that's when i decided that um i think it was best that i just you know stepped down yeah and um i took some time off and then eventually i decided uh you know my kids were up here and i've been making that painful drive back and forth
0: we see up here, you were living in Nashville, Manchester. I was in Manchester. Kids are up on the seacoast. Kids in the are
1: up here in the Portsmouth area. And, um, for the listeners and, who and don't
0: know anything about New Hampshire. Yeah. Anymore, it's and about so an hour drive, 45 about an hour
1: drive. Yeah. So meeting halfway at the freaking McDonald's shit like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I don't want to do that anymore. And, and when you lose someone and you lose things and you, and you have these losses in your life, um, that's when it really puts things into perspective. And unfortunately, um, did you blame your career? Didn't I blame my career for my dad? No, for your, for your, your <laughs> for, relationship. No, that was a whole nother fucking thing. Okay, we don't need to get into that. No, let's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I definitely regretted, um, the time I didn't spend with my father at mm-hmm. that point, as, as most people probably do. But, um, you know, I didn't want to make that same mistake with anybody else that I cared about anymore. And, uh, so I decided to um, just leave just start over I didn't know anybody up here mm-hmm. so I, I came here with nothing at this point I had taken a couple months off I was like literally back down to zero when I came here
0: what do you mean by that, zero?
1: like financially okay like I I I took a few months off and um, and then finally like you know I had a little bit of money and I, I decided to try to get a job up here and I was I was driving for a while I was commuting and then um and then I, eventually I got an apartment up here, but like I had nothing when I came up here, yeah, you know where were you working at this point were you so no. I was work I took the job at row thirty four yeah and I was commuting from Manchester to Portsmouth and I actually fell asleep at the wheel oh my God. uh on route one oh one that's th-
0: such a dangerous route, one night,
1: man. and yeah. I got in a terrible car accident Oof. and i I almost I hit this guy and I had to pull him out of his car, and it was like very late at night, and there was no one else in on the road. And this guy, poor guy almost died, Jeez. you know, and I'm surprised I didn't die. I'm surprised I'm still here. I had like no seatbelt on, sunroof open, and I just passed out going like 70 at cruise control. Oh, my gosh. So, so at that, that point, I'm like, All right, I should move. <laughs> like, I should stop commuting. <laughs> I don't have a car. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, luckily the that the, the old sob hung on for a little bit, you know, but um, eventually came up here, found a little place. I mean, dude, like. I had a really nice place in Manchester, but here I am and it's humbling, dude. I came back here and I was living in this like one bedroom apartment. I have two kids. This is stuff that I don't tell many people, but screw it, I guess, you know, and yeah, man, I mean, so I come back here after all those years of doing what I was doing and here I am in a one bedroom apartment, two kids, um, you know, I'm sleeping with my son in my bed, my daughter's sleeping on the pullout couch. And this is what I'm doing. This is like how I'm living. I'm starting over. What year is it now? 2016, okay. 2017, I think.
0: About five years ago.
1: I, about five years, yeah. So I would say 16. And um, where were you mentally at this point? Uh, I was. I, I don't know. It was tough for me, man. Uh, uh, one thing my daughter said to me that really, and she might have been 12 at the time, but. I felt bad. I was embarrassed mm. that I was living in this small place that I couldn't give her more. And, and, and I remember she looked at me and she said, it's all right, daddy as, as long as we're together. That's all that matters.
0: Mm. It's amazing how kids just know the answer to everything sometimes.
1: Yeah, they crazy? did. And, and, and it's what I needed to hear yeah. at the time. And like I said, super humbling. And I decided that, you know, right now I, I did not need to run a kitchen right now. I didn't need to own a restaurant right now. I needed to find out more about what was important to me in my life and kind of, you know, reset. And it's a big reset. And so when I got taken into row 34, I was just back on the line, cooking, sautéing. And I, and that was like therapy. Mm. That was like the road to recovery for me, honestly. Why? How? Because after, you know, climbing and climbing and fucking like working so hard and, and achieving all these goals and like making a name for myself and like, and just becoming like the chef that I, I really have been striving to be ever since I was ever since I got that fucking Thomas Keller book. You know what I mean? Like here I am. I'm working saute. Yeah.
0: Did you ever regret walking away? Did you ever think I, mean, I really messed up walking away from break, I almost went back restaurant? to press
1: like yeah. twice. Yeah. I actually did. I actually did. I mean, I, I did go back. Yeah. I After about a uh, maybe a year of working here, I quit. Yeah. I quit and I, and I went back to work for Prest for now at this point, they had like two or three restaurants. There's a huge warehouse. So after row 34, you went back to press. No, after row 34, when I came here, Oh, I eventually went back. We can talk about that later if you Mm -hmm. want. But so regardless, I mean, row 34 was super therapeutic for me. It's definitely what I needed. I needed to get back to my roots i need to get back to the beginning yeah
0: and i mean you've worked at a lot of great restaurants i know row 34 the garrett harker family of sure. restaurants yeah and they're behind island Creek oyster bar eastern standard uh row 34 multiple locations which is
1: weird that i ended up there because their oysters are from duxbury <laughs> and when I was fucking going to high school in Duxbury, I didn't know shit about oysters. <laughs> so it's <That's laughs> kind funny. of weird how that, that worked so out.
0: Duxbury's on the coast, southern south of Boston, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like on the way to the Cape. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, did did this restaurant group kind of shed perspective for you i don't really know much about the other restaurants you worked at prior to this but yeah i know that row 34 that family of restaurants has their shit together
1: they really do man they're yeah. definitely they definitely have their shit together they're a strong team strong family um you know jeremy sewell the their executive chef um you know uh, i think he's beard nominated and he's got some cookbooks out and uh it was a real you know honor to you know to work in one of his places but you know chef nikki um she owns stock now here in dover she was the executive chef there, and she really she really, you know, took me in when I needed it. And all I wanted to do was just work my station, get my head fucking straight, and just go back to the beginning. Yeah. And it was really it was what I needed. And then after about six, seven months, um, I was ready. I was ready to run the restaurant again. How did you know you were ready? Because, actually, they were looking for a new sous chef at Row 34. And I was like, all right, Nikki. I'm like, maybe you know, I should be sous chef. And I remember she told me she was like, "You don't want to be." She's like, "You need something else. You you need to do your own thing." That's what she said. She says, "You need to do your own thing." And um, I was insulted for a second because, like, what? I'm not. I'm not good enough to be sous chef. You know what I mean? Like, and I felt it as a, you know, as a rejection almost. Um, But it wasn't. It was an opportunity, Mm. and it was great advice from from a a great friend. I'm, I'm good friends with Nikki. And I'm so glad she said that to me that day. And then I saw on Craigslist that they were looking for some help in this new place, a Harvest. And so I came in.
0: What's the year now? Is it 2017? Is it Probably uh, 17. How 17. long has this place been open? Five years? Over, over five years. Over year? Wow, yeah. I need to get back up the Dover more <laughs> often.
1: <laughs> we're pretty low-key, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, and so uh, I've, I've at first turned down the gig. Um, and that's when I went to row 34. I thought I, I had an opportunity to start from the very beginning here, um, from a, a really great guy named Brent Hazelbaker. He was the original chef here. Yep. Um, and I, I didn't want to let him down because I I wasn't sleeping. I was I was still having a hard time. And so I, I didn't take the opportunity at first, but then after a few months at row, um, I finally, he asked me again and, uh, he like, I think he texted me at like four in the morning one time. <laughs> And he was like,
0: "Waking up, going to work." He's, he's like, like, "Can really you please reconsider? <laughs>
1: Can you think about it?" And yeah. I'm like, "All right." So I had a meeting with Brent, and I decided to do it, you yeah. know. And so I worked with Brent for about a year, um, give or take. And um, you know, he taught me a little bit about bread baking and all that kind of stuff. And and then he split to go do some other shit, and I ended up taking over the restaurant. And and then Ron gave me the partnership opportunity, and I took it.
0: How long did you? have to work to get that opportunity about a year yeah uh i mean any advice about negotiating that or knowing when you're ready or or like how do you did you ask for it did he
1: offer it how does that go down i proved myself mm-hmm. that that's the position that i think that i i i should have mm-hmm. and it was an excellent opportunity um and i'm very grateful for it but i think when brent left um you know, he did when when he was leaving. He was like, "This is yours." He's like, "This is for you." You know, and and I think he he kind of thought that I'd be better uh, suited here than himself. And he had later went on to be more of a consultant. And um, you know, he's a very talented chef. And um, I learned a lot working with him. And um, still talk to him, you know, to this day. Um, and I'm really thankful for that opportunity. But when I was given the restaurant and given the reins. Um, I had just been off come off the bridge for ten years in press cafe doing that. And so I said, I'm gonna do that here. But I'm gonna do it the way I wanted to before. I wanna make everything from scratch. I, I, I don't wanna cut corners. I, I don't want shortcuts. Um you know, I wanna make the kind of food that people can feel good about because they know where it's coming from, they know what's in it, we know everything that goes into everything because we make it here. Mm-hmm. And and so um I was able to to do that, I was able to see that that dream come true, mm-hmm. and I just been going hard ever since for five years.
0: So, one thing I'm curious about, I mean, and we kind of, I, I mentioned earlier, there's, a, there's, a, and you said there's a time and place for that when it comes to opening, cutting bags, and like, you know, your overhead, your operational expenses are much lower when you're not to pay somebody to to do all this stuff, right? right? So my, my question is, how do you hold true to a scratch kitchen and, stay, stay, and still stay profitable? What are some of the tricks of doing everything from scratch, from your mustard to your ketchup to your sauces, your dressings? How do you, how do you stay profitable doing that?
1: Well, I will tell you, um, we, I don't make a ton of money here. You know what I mean? Like I make, I'm comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're comfortable. Um, you know, this isn't, if you want to be rich in the restaurant business, then you need to go up, open up something that is easier. That you know what I mean, like that. It, I think if you have an idea for something that can be multiple locations, like something that you can copy, like like Press Cafe, like that's that's how you make your so money. So what's
0: different between something like that and what you do here? Is it just because you're putting all of your energy into I mean, one thing? At or?
1: Press, they they're making their stuff. Some stuff they make, some stuff they don't. But they're so huge now, um, and that was the part that I had to walk away from. Uh, that was, you know, when I, when I went back there, when I thought I was going to go back and I was like, you know what? I will go back. Um, nothing against pressed and the press corporation because I got so much love for them and i love to see what Roy and I created just blow up. And I'm so proud of them and so proud of him. Um, but it was, it, it didn't, I didn't feel good. Like when, when I went back there, I didn't pick up a knife yeah. the whole day mm-hmm. and that was weird. Yeah. That was fucking weird. I was like, I can't do that. Yeah. Like I'm a chef. I want to cut something. I want to like, you know, clean a fish. I want to like, I want to braise something. I want to, I want to feel like I'm cooking. Uh, and that's where I'm happiest. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to walk away from the cutting board. You know, I just don't know if I can do it.
0: I mean, I do hear what you're saying. There is a time and place. I mean, it, it all depends on what your why is. And that's one of the things that was really hard for me at evolving as a student of the industry and hearing all these answers, the way to do stuff. And then you start hearing opposing answers for the same question. And you're like, what's the right way? You well, know, what is the right way? I
1: don't look at myself much as a businessman. You know what I mean? I've always been fortunate to work with businessmen. Yeah. Um, so I've always maintained just being a chef and uh, I, I, I'm going to be learning for the rest of my life more and more and more about it. And I think, you know, I have another concept idea for another restaurant that I, I've been thinking about for a few years that I'm excited about. Yeah. Um, you know and, and I'll have to learn more when that comes you know what I mean um, but for right now I mean uh, I mean when, in a scratch kitchen to go back to your question like how to keep things sustainable and how to make it work how to make it profitable um, it just you need your eyes open all the time you need to keep track of your shit you need to Are you using systems for that? It's not, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, we have our, our, our prep list guides, you know, we have like quantities that we know we need, but it's forever changing. It's constantly changing. What's changing the business. Like it could be, I could have a huge week. Right. And so we're like, okay, now this is how much we have to make. This is how much, you know, quinoa salad we have to make. This is how much pork belly I have to order now because people are just going crazy for the pork belly. But then like two weeks later. Crickets. You drop, you know yeah. what I mean? And you're like, shit. So it's, it's, it's a sliding scale. And you just have to be ready for that. You have to, a lot of it has to do with just like, you know, taking an educated guess. Yeah. You know, um, you know and their mistakes get made, but they're not big mistakes.
0: I think there's two over time you develop data. You can look for trends. I mean, the first year you have no clue. Right. right. You have no data to reflect back at like, oh, like you can guess, oh, there's four events in town this week right? There's yeah. a seafood festival over here and there's a, an airplane show over there. Probably not a lot you of do people have to going take into account. Like, yeah.
1: you know, what's going on. Sometimes you get blindsided. You know but over I mean? time you start to get that,
0: that, you know, the seasons start to come back and you can look back at the seasons. Oh yeah. You start to realize what we do. Start, yeah. yeah. But we do time. look at the
1: chart. We see exactly. from the last five years, we're always looking at that to see like what the business was. And obviously we've grown and grown and grown yeah. and, and grown. And like in our, and what our, record breaking number was last year we smashed it. You know what I mean? And but with record breaking numbers comes more labor. Yeah. <laughs> comes more food costs. Yep. So, you know, just because um and you gotta know when to increase that labor. So just because, you know, you might be you might do another thousand dollars in business that day. Right, you're like shit. Do we need more staff yet, or can we do another thousand dollars with those people? And those are the important decisions that I think you need to make. You need to, you know, because labor can eat you up if you have too much.
0: So, give me some examples of the ways that you. And I agree with you. Like, like, but have you pivoted? Have you have you tweaked systems, process to be more streamlined to do more with less?
1: It's been tough to gauge over the last two years because of uh, the pandemic. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. that's made things crazy different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were fortunate enough not to ever have an exposure here. We never had to shut down. I did shut down for a week to give everybody just a rest because mm-hmm. shit was crazy. But, um, you know, I, 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 I had to lay off half my team. Some of them willingly, you know, most of them willingly. Honestly, the people that wanted to take a break took a break. I never had anybody that had to be like, I'm sorry, man. You know, but, you know, I I went down to like half a team. We shortened our hours and we we got through. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I bring those people back and bring some new people back. But, dude, it's a revolving door, you know, and I didn't really change any systems. It's just a feeling. It's it's an everyday feeling. You walk in and and that's when you gauge like what it's going to be like, you know. And yeah, sometimes you have a lunch and you're like, shit, what the fuck just happened? Like, that was crazy, you know, and that's great. Um, and you gotta be ready for that. And I feel like it's when you, when you drop your guard, then you get screwed. Yeah. You know, um, I think the business is constantly, we're making more money, but you do have dips. But then when you have a crazy busy day, I mean, you know, you might break a record. Yeah. You know, you mentioned
0: earlier that, um, you're much better about managing yourself and others now. Yeah. So I'm curious to to know how are you managing yourself differently now than then?
1: In the early Days of the, of the earth's harvest. Um, yeah, man, I was, I was pretty stressed out. I mean, uh, there was some days where we were growing and increasing the business and I was very short staffed and there was weekends where I'll never forget where I was like, how did I get through? How did I get through that with just like three people? You know, in the very beginning I was opening, closing, mopping, doing all the dishes. Like I'd be here till eight o'clock at night, man, you know? And I was putting in the work and I was getting it done and I'd go home and I'd do it all again the next day. It's easier now. It's a little bit easier now because um we're established. We have a good staff. Like we've made something solid here. But in the earlier years of, of Earth's Harvest, um I wasn't as good managing myself and managing people. But I think as I got more comfortable with this business and this restaurant, um and I started to really kind of recognize the signs in myself and the signs and other people and started to pay more attention to that. Um, you know, then I would catch things before they would go wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think if you, you know, it, you really got to pay attention to your crew and also pay attention to yourself. And I think that's the one thing that I really started to recognize, um, you know, cause I always really put my head down, go, 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 go get the food out. But then I started to really look at, at my people and at myself and, if I saw things like um, you know, uh moods were dropping, something was wrong, or maybe I heard something from somebody, you know, I'd talk to that person. I'd check in. I think check ins are huge. You know, check in with your friends, check in with your employees, mm-hmm. check in with yourself. Yeah. Like you gotta fucking do that shit. Do you schedule it? No, man. I just do it as necessary. Yeah. You know, and if I like Sometimes, man, like more than once, I'll see someone like, I, I know they're having a bad day. They're not talking. They're not laughing when everyone else is laughing.
0: Yeah, You good? And that What's bothers me.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so I'll, you know, so many times I've taken that person aside I'd be like, hey, you all right? Yeah. And it could be like waterfall. You know yeah. what I mean? It could be like, I didn't want to tell you this, man, but I'm giving my two weeks. Ugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And man, that sucks. But and a lot of times people are like, wow, I expected you to be so pissed. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, why would I be mad? Yeah. Like, and that's when I started to tell people that you're the most important thing. It's not me. It's not this restaurant. Yeah. If you're not okay, then, then that's what you have to yeah. take care of.
0: I think it's hard for a lot of people to realize people, you, no one will ever love your restaurant as much as you do and they'll never show up for it like you will.
1: I'm right? only one that's going to be consistent here. Yeah. Like you have uh, to accept that. And there, there are people that I've seen people come back here. I have people that left here. Three times and came back to work. Yeah. You know, and that's great. They go to work for some friends of mine. They want to come back to me. It's cool. You know, I i never see people again. That's fine. But that's the business I'm in. That's what I signed up for. This is a revolving door. People come and go. I'm the only one that stays the same. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. So you did mention, too, I pulled out, they said that you're managing your social media. You're you're in house. Yeah. What are some of the tricks of the trade you've learned? What are you doing? Like, when it comes to taking photos or anything like that, any advice? You that's
1: want? a, that's a learning curve. Yeah. You know, I don't have a nice camera. I have an iPhone. Yeah. Um, you know, I do have a nice camera that my friend Keith Saracen from the farmer's dinner yes. gave to me actually. I don't know how to use it yet. Yeah. Sorry, Keith. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I, uh, it's really about, you know, um, you know, it's, it's about trial and error. You know, if you scroll, you know what? I missed that. What'd you say? Trial and, trial and error. If you scroll back to the early, post on her Harvest, I'm like, oh damn, like that was terrible, you know? <laughs> um, but you all, it's also inspiration because social media is in your face. It's in your hand and I might see something I'm like, oh cool. I'm like, I like how they took that picture. Let me try to, to do my own version of that and, um, but there's days, man, where I have a, a, a great idea for a photo. Like today, I had a, I wanted to take a picture of my veggie burger. I had this idea. I took like three, Times I try to take that fucking picture and it didn't work out. And I was like, not today. And I let it go. You just got to know when to let it go. So, you what know? are some
0: of the little tricks that you you do now consistently that you didn't do back then? Uh,
1: there's a spot in the restaurant. Yeah. There's a, 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 a time, like the best time for taking pictures of food, um, if you have a lot of uh, windows in your restaurant, is like an overcast, not sunny day. Mm-hmm. And that natural light coming through the window, not casting shadows. You're good. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's that for me that's big. I uh, you know, you can get a lighting box if you want to get real serious about it. But um you know, it, it just keeps changing for me. Like the you know, some things that might interest me, the way to take a picture, doesn't really interest me sometimes anymore. You know?
0: Is there any strategy beyond just the photo? Are you tagging people or are you using different words? Are there a call to actions, things like this?
1: I think I like over the years, excuse me for a second. You're fine. I've started to get a little bit more like loose and fun and
0: more of yourself. Yeah.
1: Like sometimes I'll use an employee like, you want your picture taken today and I'll do something really fun. Yeah. Um, or I'll just like hold it up. I'll go outside and I probably look ridiculous out there. People driving by with me holding my sandwich up and trying to find the right (laughs) thing. Yeah, for sure. But, um, I think I'm just trying to make it fun, but also sexy. Yep. Also looking good. Also colors pop in. There's an app that I use that, you know, that makes things kind of crisp. You know, there's little tricks that I picked up. Know? Yeah. It's called Snapseed. Snapseed. I tell everybody to use it. It's oh, free. You heard it here. Yeah. I, I told quite a few friends about it and i like, what does it do? There's just so many little things that you can, um, you can change the structure. You can change the, the saturation. It's better than just the shit that Instagram gives you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all I use. It's it's like I'll just pop that picture. And sometimes your picture doesn't need much mess around with. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes it does. And sometimes you can overdo it. Yeah. You know. So don't. That's one thing I would say is don't um, take it too far to where it doesn't even look like what you fucking made. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, don't make it unrealistic.
0: I love that. Um, so I mean, I do want to get some like just super aerial, more like broad conversation I think we talked a little bit earlier like there's a time and place to talk about what's happening in the industry right now anything that you want to bring attention to that you think needs a change in the industry the mission statement is to inspire empower and transform I think there's a lot of change that our industry can withstand
1: yeah so what are some of those changes you want to see well um, I, I, I don't know how we can change um, I do know the problems that everybody's facing You know, um, these days is obviously labor shortage. I don't know why people. I know where everybody is. You know, Uh, I think
0: sometimes people forget that before the pandemic, things sucked really bad too. I think they did.
1: They were horrible. It's not because of the pandemic. It's just it it was worse now because
0: people are now you are combating with you know unemployment checks. Did that end? Is that over now? It's it's coming to an end. Okay, yeah. So I mean, but I think people were probably stockpiling their cash flow for a while, so it it might not be like. You know, hitting a switch and everybody's going to come back to work. Yeah, but things sucked before the pandemic. It was really bad before the pandemic. It
1: was, it was.
0: So I don't. I think everyone's blaming the pandemic for that, but I think we forget that it was really bad. Sure, I mean, really bad.
1: I always would. You build a team, and you're like, we're good, we're good. Let's, you know, this is great. Let's extend our hours. Let's whatever, you know. And then all of a sudden, one, two, three people are gone. Yeah. And then you're like, fuck, I have nobody. Uh And then I find myself you know, wearing all the hats again until I replenish the team rebuild. it's just this constant cycle, you know, and you have to be okay with that. If you let that get to you, man, like you'll, you'll kill yourself. You will get so stressed out that, you know, that's just definitely not the way to deal with it. I think,
0: I think the answer is just that, that idea of always be hiring. You know, if you, if you, if you're always, I think
1: we always have an ad out because, you know, you might find that, that one dude or girl that, you're like, oh, I'm glad you came in. I didn't need you, but, you know, let's just take, take them anyway. Cream rises. You know? Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and um, people will filter each other
0: out. If you have a bunch of people, you know, it, the, the cream will arise.
1: Absolutely. You, you know? know, and um, I, I've definitely sorted out, you know, the bad seeds here and there. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and you always get those people and people. I can usually read people on an interview pretty quickly. Um, but then some people slip through the cracks and then. You really get to know them when they're when they're out there put to the test. You know yeah. what I mean. So,
0: what other issues do you think there are that need to be addressed?
1: I think um, I think customers can be a lot more patient. Could uh, be, or it should be. Should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's going to change that? I don't know man uh, I just think people need to, I know uh, you keep hearing it a lot you keep seeing it a lot people are like be patient we're short staffed it's not about be patient we're short staffed so much it's just about people being fucking good humans man you know what I mean and we are here to like provide a service for you and you know there's always going to be the people that complain about everything and that's fine Yeah, uh, you know but I just think that um, you know you know, just people need to just be a little bit more. I
0: think we did it to ourselves, man.
1: And I think you think so. Oh, absolutely. Because what
0: what was the solution if if somebody you know acted out or complained or blah 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 blah? It's, free it's meal, it's free, free meal, Freaking, yeah, and yeah. Like <laughs> you know, it's just like we've we've conditioned the public to be assholes, right? We have made we we anything that's broken with this industry is because of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's, and it's and it's because we don't talk. It's because we don't share information. It's because we we ho- we guard information from each other, and we and I think that we we are. You can be too hospitable. You can be too giving. You can I don't be,
1: mind giving people a couple bucks, like or whatever, giving yeah. their money back if they're that pissed off. I don't come across that that often, but like, you know, and and, and sometimes it's easier just to fucking do that, you yeah. know. But you're not solving anything. I think know?
0: it's it's a matter of of our industry. Communicating, coming together, sharing knowledge. But I say it all the time: the mission of this statement is to, ins- or this podcast is to in- inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I think in order to transform the industry, and if we do transform the industry, we're going to transform the world. But we need to share information within the industry first to educate the public. So much that's wrong with our industry is because we're reactive. We're reacting to the public. We're giving the people what they want. For the longest time, they wanted more for less. So we our margins get smaller and smaller and smaller to beat the guy down the street to have a better price than the guy down the street. Absolutely. You know, and we painted ourselves into this corner and we're not pricing items based off of percentage. It's not, it's not an equation, you know, it's a, it's less than the guy down the street, you know, and it's just, we, we, we reacted ourselves into this corner. Because we I didn't that's share a good, that's information. A good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's just my opinion. I don't know if I'm 100% right, but I think that what we need to do is educate mm-hmm. each other and then turn around to the public and say, you know, fuck you guys. Well, I think,
1: like, like, yeah, I <laughs> we think need to educate the public I, and like let them know the value of food. That's huge about it, man. I mean, I'm glad you said that because it, there is um, something to be said about educating your guests. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of that is, is happening now but you know, the customer is always right. That, that's old school, man. Yeah, you know educate I mean? your
0: employee. Educate your guest. Right. If we can if we can transform our employees, guess what? We're touching people at the age of 18 years old, 19, 19 20 years old there,
1: there are definitely people out there that don't know what it takes to do what we do. Exactly. Still.
0: But we get to influence these people at a young right. age. We get to inject values into them. We get to educate them. That's the future consumer. You know and what I I'm think, saying?
1: Obviously, social media can be evil but it can be good for many reasons and i think education is one of them i think it's a great point that you brought up that the more uh, other people that don't work in the industry the more they know about what it takes to do what they do do what we do that they'll they'll be more patient yeah they'll understand and i feel like people that don't understand they're just here give me my food here's my money oh that's not right i want my money back there's more to it than that yeah. you know and um you know i know it's their hard-earned money and shit but it's our hard-earned money man like what we do costs money. Like I could open a bag and put it in a fucking bowl and give it to you. You, you know, know? if they
0: don't like it, they won't come back. You
1: no, know what I'm saying. And a- that's that, allowed. Exactly. They you don't know? have to come back. <laughs> you know, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing yeah. and hope people, hopefully people support us. Yeah. That's all it. we can do, man.
0: Anything that has not come out in today's conversation that you're hoping to discuss.
1: I don't know. We're talking about a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of anything right now that, um, You know, I feel like that you haven't asked me that I want to talk about.
0: All right, we're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and turn the lights on.
1: Yeah. And we'll be right back for a speed
0: round. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) What is one of the most overlooked and important marketing tools out there? It's your menu. And honestly, I cannot blame owners for overlooking their menu. It can be super tedious and boring work. Let's be honest. Not to mention it's time consuming between all the other channels of marketing, i.e. social media, direct mail marketing and managing your operations and customer relations. Who has the time to dink around with their menu? Not many people, right? So that's why I'm super excited to introduce to you pop menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first time guests into regulars. From the website to the marketing to the contactless ordering, pop menu is the full digital solution for your restaurant. Pop menu also provides a dynamic mobile friendly menu that hooks your customers from the start. And this is a really cool tool. Diners have the ability to leave dish reviews, which really helps your menu speak for itself. Beyond these engaging features, pop menu provides marketing tools to build long, Lasting relationships with your guests. For example, you have the power to send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders or promote new dishes. You can even set up online ordering and delivery direct through pop menu. This means less ordering complications and loss commission to third-party apps. We all love that. Frankly speaking, when Pop Menu reached out to me to be a sponsor, I didn't know much about them. We all know my rules that I only promote the tools and services that are recommended on the show. So I had to reach out to my network to get their approval. And I have to tell you, the feedback has been nothing but positive. People really like the menu review feature, the email marketing integration, and the fast and friendly customer support, which cannot be overlooked. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month. Plus, you can lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. you're already using like toast to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business restaurant unstoppable members get three months absolutely free get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s h i f t s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. We're back and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Is this one word answers? One word to a sentence. One if you word. Okay. Give me two or three sentences. It won't be. So
1: it's word. what is my one trait? One. What's your strength? What is my one thing strength? You think
0: contributes the biggest thing you think contributes to your success. Stamina. Mm. What is your biggest weakness?
1: <laughs> Shit, this is hard. Um, insecurity.
0: Mm. How are you dealing with that?
1: Yeah. Shit. (laughs) I guess, uh, I'm trying, man. (laughs) Like I try to just, um, not let it get the better of me. I mean,
0: I can relate with that if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a business podcaster, podcast podcasting about restaurant business success. And I don't own a restaurant. So like, you don't think I have imposter syndrome. You don't think I have insecurities. I'm always
1: thinking I could be better yeah. and I'm never truly satisfied. Mm. You know, even though I'm, I'm kind of satisfied uh, and I'm happy with things, uh, how they turn out. But I'm always really my worst critic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think what I I was leading into is that what helps me with my imposter syndrome, my insecurities, is is having the conversation that nobody gives a fuck about what the conversation is in your head. It's only happening in your head. It's literally only in your head.
1: And there are so many. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So just get the fuck out of your head. It's only in your head. I am trying to get out of my head most of the time. Yeah.
0: What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team during the interview process? What are you looking for?
1: Um, Interview process. I mean, obviously, I start out by asking them what what job experience do you have that would pertain to this restaurant, Mm -hmm. to this industry. Um, But the one thing I ask them is, you know... um, you know, is about passion. Do you have the passion to do this? Because if you're just looking for a paycheck, I got nothing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your
0: biggest challenge today?
1: Um, I don't know, biggest challenge today would be, I guess, you know, to stay inspired. You know, it doesn't sound difficult, but I definitely have my weeks.
0: How are you staying inspired?
1: Um, just by just trying to be stronger man just trying to get out of my head you know what i mean uh i think that the world can be heavy man life can be heavy you know and um i often uh f- find myself most comfortable here at work and so when i do come here it's pretty natural for me but sometimes um you know i have to kind of like you know shake it out a little bit and, and, and try to really find that inspiration i usually find it within my friends or you know, you know, stuff like that. But, um, I do sometimes have to be like, all right, tonight I have to open a book, man. I have yep. to like find something new. Like what, what do I want to do? You know, what am I feeling? You know? And sometimes you have to dig for that a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it's good to have those support groups to yeah. the people to go talk to who can relate to what you're going through and just to, to have that. Absolutely. Outlet.
1: And sometimes, yeah. you know, you just call somebody, man, yeah. you know, and talk about food or, or I have the uh, privilege of working at you know, dinners like the farmer's dinner. You yep. know, and now all of a sudden, I'm around seven different chefs doing seven different plates. Inspiration. That's inspiration, man. Yep. You yeah. know,
0: this is exactly when I when we started the network. When we started doing coffee with Eric. This is a, it was the idea was just to provide a space for this for people. You had one
1: out. that was that was coffee with Eric. Well, ev- every
0: Tuesday and Thursday we do coffee with Eric, which oh. is just an hour block. That's cool. Where like it's just it's like Adult Swim. It's like we're <laughs> just here to talk about whatever like nice just, like do you have a challenge do you have a concern are you having a bad mental health day yeah like we're just here and it's just a, a it's a group of restaurant owners from around the nation that just show up for each other that's cool um so if you guys if that sounds interesting to you we're there for you just shoot me an email if you ever need somebody to talk yeah, to yeah i'll man, get you a
1: link community um, dude yeah um all right
0: what is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team like a core value a way to be
1: i think um way to be um you know, besides, you know, obviously respect for, for everyone else, I think uh, one one thing that's really important to me, especially with a, an open concept restaurant, is whatever issues we may have within ourselves, within the team, don't pour that over to the guest, you know, because, you know, that when they, they'll see that, when they f- see that, when they feel it, you know, the things change for them. They, they might want to, not want to come back here. Yeah. You know, so if there's problems. Let's handle it the right way. Um, don't do it in front of the guests. Let's go out back. Let's talk about it, Yeah. What's yeah. one uncommon standard
0: of service you teach your team? So it's something that's common within the four walls of your business to go above and beyond what's expected, but not common throughout the industry.
1: I would say that I'm pretty clean and, um, you know, I try to work clean. Um, I try, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's probably tons of chefs out there that are more organized, uh, than I am. But I would say that, um, I'm very proud of how clean we are. And yeah, like, I will literally go up to someone and, and wipe off their fucking cutting board if they're not wiping it in between plates. Like I'm crazy like that, you know, yeah. and I'm trying not to be too crazy about it. But, um, the last two health inspections I got, I got a hundred awesome. and I'm pretty proud of that. I hate to like, sorry, everybody, but like, that's a cool thing, dude. You yeah. know, so, um, try to keep it clean and, um, you know, a lot of that has, that comes from my team as well. They know that that's how I like to do it. And that, and and they, they accept that and they like it. Perceptions
0: reality too. Yeah. I can always be cleaner, man. Always, always. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or
1: restaurant owner? Hmm. Restaurant owner. Honestly, I mean, if you haven't read kitchen confidential, how many people have said that? I'm sorry. Like a lot. I mean, yeah, it's up
0: there for sure.
1: I mean that book when I was young, I read that book and I was like, Oh my God, like this guy gets an Anthony Bourdain. Holy shit. And everything he was saying I could relate to, like I got it, you know, yeah. and I think if you are in the industry and you haven't read that book, like please read that book, like those experiences like you you probably have something exactly like that that happened in your life, you know, but I would think that like I'd have to go back to for me, i think the the book that inspired me the most back in the day was the French laundry, yeah, when I saw what Thomas Keller was doing at the French laundry, I'd never seen anything like that, hmm. you know, and you know there was no. YouTube, there was no Google, none of that shit. So to open that book and be like the, the fuck,
0: I have to admit, I have not read that book or I don't own that book. It gets recommended a lot, but I think it is very chef driven. It's a cookbook. It not a cookbook. It's a
1: cookbook. at the French laundry is in Napa Valley and it's, um, you know, you go there, you spend hours there, you have like a 14 course menu and
0: does it, does it get into a little bit of his, his, his backstory? Like, is there like, is there a context or is it just a, a book of recipes?
1: Uh, no, I mean, there's definitely a story involved. Okay. Um, I might you have to know, pick it up. A though. lot of great chefs have come from that restaurant. I
0: might have to pick it up. I mean, I've, I mean, I've spoke, do you know how many people I've spoken to from that have gone through the, the school of Thomas Keller?
1: Really? So many. I know a few. I mean, Matt Lewis, yeah. Yeah. Matt Lewis, yep. uh, worked with Tom Thomas all over know, the so. country.
0: That hat that I was wearing the other day, the bakery, the bakery, uh, Lorraine. Yeah. With the, the croissant, with the, the croissant. Butter, yeah. <laughs> th- those are students of Thomas
1: Keller. Really? Yeah. It's I mean, it was always a dream for me. Never came true. Success. But success. knowing like Matt. Yeah. like the fact that I know Matt Lewis anywhere—that's yeah. that, cool enough. Yeah, <laughs> you know?
0: yeah, man. Um, I have to—I gotta get that book. It's been recommended so many times. I'm interested yeah. to see what the context is within that book. That's yeah, beautiful.
1: It doesn't ever lose, you know. It's—it's it's, it's shimmer. You know.
0: What is the one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough?
1: Um, I think like the whole health insurance thing yeah. is is kind of fucked up. Um. I haven't worked in too many restaurants that were able to provide that, and that's always something that is a huge bummer for me. But there's not much I can do about it.
0: See, what happens? This is why, again, why I think it's so important that we communicate and make it standard. And we're afraid to make it standard because the costs, cost, 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 cost. So, like Here's right the, now, we all
1: did it at the same time. Like, if if, if like fifty to seventy five percent of my team doesn't want health insurance, that means I can't give it to anybody else. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, everybody has to be on board, basically. Or, or or we don't get it. Yeah. You know? I think um
0: oh, somebody from oh my one of my past guests out of San Antonio mentioned a company. It's Mishla, or do you know the name? It's the it was the I'll I'll look it up during the closing thoughts. But yeah, he found a company that has super affordable healthcare and I think they're like special for I think it's poor
1: man. I don't go to the doctor a lot. Yeah. You know, I've just been like that my whole life. But like I just had a guy Not to get off topic here, but I just had one of uh, a guy that works for me, my friend Tim. I know it's kind of personal, but like I've known him for a very long time, and he's a great chef. And uh, the other day, he was like, he was like, you know, I'm not not feeling too good, and he ended up going to the hospital, and he's been in there for three weeks, like he, he almost had a heart attack. Jeez, you know what I mean? And and it's just. We go 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 until we can't. We stand do, anything. and I, I I'm lucky I haven't dropped yet. Yeah, but like it'll happen. You know what I mean? And I think being able to personally have health insurance is an achievement. You know what I mean? That I I don't have it. I don't yet have it. You know?
0: Yeah. What's one service you've hired or outsourced? And this isn't a technology, but it's like a, a person or a group of people that do something that is more economically efficient for you to do in house. You outsource. A company that you've been really impressed with that you would recommend to somebody else.
1: Um, who am I impressed with? <laughs> we we you know in, when the restaurants get busier, you have to eventually be like, all right, should we keep making this or can we find someone else that makes it? You know, you know, like good enough. You yeah. know what I mean to serve. I mean, running like um, you know, like we we've had to like uh, we've we we were like ro- like smoking our own ham roasting our own turkey and in the very beginning we you know for our chicken salad and for our chicken sandwiches we were getting a dozen whole chickens in and sitting there and like picking the bones picking the fucking bones just to put on a sandwich Mm -hmm. and obviously that doesn't become practical you know or sustainable after a while when you start growing the numbers by thousands you know what i mean you're like holy shit i can't do this anymore you know so um you know eventually um we went i mean it's a good they're a good company they're 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 in Maine, North Country. Um, we get bacon from them, we get turkey from them, you know, and they do a good job. It's good it's good for what for what we need it. You yeah, know there's I mean? nothing
0: wrong with outsourcing and going to people who do exactly one thing. And right. that's the idea like you can be the solution for a bunch of people. But right. I mean if you can try to make those decisions local, that's what's best.
1: I mean we try to support local. I mean, like my, my company that I use, um, my wholesale company's favorite foods, they're like ten minutes down the street. I love it. You know?
0: Um, what is one piece of technology that you've recently adopted that's had a huge impact on profitability, communication, efficiency, anything along those lines?
1: Um, I mean, we just recently uh, switched POS systems and we're using Toast. What were you using before? The fuck was it, dude? I don't know. Uh, Bistro? Bistro, okay. Something like that. So, what was yeah. it about
0: Toast that made you choose out of all the options? Why was it Toast?
1: mean, um, we looked at a few different options, but I mean, nothing's perfect but like this one ended up being pretty good and and um it was easy to pick up so like my managers picked up pretty quickly you know and i think actually dude like i have to tell you with toast um online ordering Mm -hmm. when we went to online ordering everything changed and that was it that was that that was the technology that changed the game for when us. When did you
0: guys make the change? Was it because of the pandemic? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've decided to launch on, uh, we've got toast and we knew the online ordering was existed there.
0: Did you just start with online or toast to go or was it the full shabam?
1: It was a full shabam. Yeah. And then I didn't release online ordering until the pandemic happened. And then I was like, well, we still need to provide food for people. So at one point we were handing food out the window really? to people just because of the no contact thing. Yeah. And now we still are, you're still able to walk in the door two feet away, you grab your food off the shelf and you're gone. Like a lot of times I don't even see the people grab their food. Yeah. Um, And that right there, that's like half my business right now is online ordering. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, people still are, are in a rush or they still, you know, if they don't want to sit down, they can have that luxury. But that really changed everything for me. And um, I think our numbers would be dramatically lower if it wasn't for online ordering. Yeah.
0: If you guys have are interested in toast and you're, and you haven't been to the website, you haven't talked to anybody, do me a favor, shoot me an email, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable. Let me make an introduction. They are by far the most number one recommended Toast POS or the POS company on the show. Um, and they have a great affiliate program and it supports the show. Let me make nice. an introduction. Let me know that you're clicking on my link. I didn't tonight. even know that. Well, hey, yeah, man, we just cool. met. So right. no hard feelings. <laughs> um, but that does support the show. And uh, cool. just thank you in advance. Bring me into that conversation because it's good for me. When I know. It's kind of hard to like get around it. You yeah, know? And yeah. It, it keeps them a little bit more honest. Absolutely. Say that. Um, <clears throat> all right. This is the last question. Oh boy, it's a doozy. Get ready for it. <laughs> all right. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for your legacy and for the good of humanity. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? kind of wishing you read those questions
1: now aren't you i guess so yeah this is a pretty (laughs) pretty big one um i would first thing that comes to mind is experience you know what i mean um and what i mean by that is you know i know a lot of people say it but i wish I, I, i i wish i took more time off one um number two um geez something i can leave behind um spend time with your family two yeah uh and number three um take care of yourself like mentally and physically i love it um those are very important things and don't wait you know just make sure you're right do a check-in with yourself and everybody else yes
0: awesome stuff (laughs) thank you so much for taking the time to join us we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out that's how we found you yeah uh chef chris vio called you out so thank you chris yeah, man, who do you respect? And thank you, Chris, yes, because this was an awesome conversation. Yeah, she's the man. Who do you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like That's you made for us today?
1: That's a long list of who I respect and admire, but the one person that comes to mind like right away is uh is Nikki from stock. Nikki Nochella. Um or otherwise known as Nikki Fish. She just um, opened recently, right? She did. She actually opened like a couple weeks before the pandemic, but then had to put the restaurant on hold for a little bit during that time. But she has reopened and she is banging over there. Nice. Um, she's definitely one of the most talented chefs I know and definitely a hundred percent. One of the hardest working chefs I've ever met. Um, you know, we have done dinners together. Uh, she gave me that opportunity at row 34, um, which I'm forever thankful for. And we continue to work together when we can. And, um, you know, she's definitely an inspiration on many levels and, and a sweetheart. Um, and I think that's someone that would have a great story to tell. Chef
0: Nikki, look out. I'm coming after yeah. you. I'd love to get you on the show. <laughs> and uh, how can we connect with you? Maybe we're in the Northeast. Maybe we're in the New Hampshire area. Maybe we're looking for opportunity. Maybe our, um, you know, our unemployment check finally ran out and we're right, out to find right. a job and we want to call you. What's the best way to
1: connect? Uh, you can, you know, go through the earth's harvest kitchen, Instagram, uh, our Facebook message us directly, um, You know, and that's probably the easiest way. You know, I, I do check that social media quite often and I'm the one in, in charge of it. So I will see your message. If you have any questions, you can always call us, man. Call us at the restaurant. We're old school. We'll talk to you.
0: Yes, Chef you know? George. Thank you so much. Thank man. you, Eric. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable chef, George Bazanson. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And also a special thanks to chef Chris Viode for calling chef George Bazanson out. Uh, and it's so cool to see what's happening. I feel like there's just so much generosity in the world today. Uh, I feel like, and it's hard for me to say this for certain, but prior to me starting this podcast, I was actually worried about starting this podcast. I was afraid that people wouldn't be willing to share their knowledge and their wisdom because of how competitive the industry was. But over time, it's, it's, in the eight years I've been doing this, I feel like there has been a transformation with how generous people are and how much they realize that there's more to come, there's more to be had if we come together and collaborate and work together and share knowledge. We can all go so much further together. And that's happening in New Hampshire. It's happening everywhere I've been in the country. And it's just exciting. It's an exciting time to be around right now. I think there's a lot of positive stuff happening in the world. Uh, even though the news might not make you feel that way, I think there's a lot of cool things happening in the world today. So um, speaking about what's happening, I want to let you know that in the network today, actually, at 3 p.m., so if you are catching today's episode early, you want to join us at 3 p.m. today, Amy Forsheimer is joining is joining us live in the network to answer your questions, to offer some peer mentoring. And this is the power of the network, is literally connecting with these badass restaurateurs that you normally wouldn't get access to. So that's today at 3 p.m., and it's kind of a quiet week at Restaurant Unstoppable Network. I'm going to be traveling to uh, New York City, so I'll be busy uh, recording some interviews. So in the network, it's going to be kind of quiet. But I did do something really cool last week in the network. I shared my vision, and um, it's a work in progress. I shared the first draft, and I really want to do amazing things with Restaurant Unstoppable. One of the things I want to do is really start traveling more often and getting out there more often and, and slowing down, And one of the things I think that could help me with that, ironically, is an RV (laughs) because I want to be able to go to where there's opportunity and not have to rush out. I want to just get there, stay there to finish the job and really start doing some neat projects with Jared where we do more documentary based kind of work. And Jared's capable of doing this stuff. We've already done a few. Projects, but we need a little extra cash flow. So if you can share this podcast, if you can, you know, support our sponsors, if you can use our affiliates, then you have no idea how much that's helping. So we can take this thing to the next
1: level. All right. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.